typically the fundamental movement patterns of those will be a squat or a deadlift, a press, like a bench press, and a pull, like a bench pull, both in horizontal and also getting some accessory work in vertical as well to help with things like uh, overhead stability. Um, so that's where your overhead press, dumbbell press can come in and chin-ups. Hello and welcome to the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. Each week I host live Q&As where I present on a topic to help footballers and strength and conditioning coaches with practical knowledge. Make sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel to receive a notification and never miss a live podcast. If you're a returning podcast listener and you love the show, please show your support by rating the show. It goes a long way into helping us reach more listeners. Let's get into today's episode. Make sure to stick around to the very end as I provide a free AFL workout and power tip designed to give you confidence and an insight into what it takes to play AFL. Let's go. Hello and welcome to the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. This week, our key topic will be everything you need to know when it comes to AFL strength and power programming. I'm going to lean towards more the coach's perspective. So if you're a strength initiating coach, high performance coach, uh, make sure to send in your questions. If you're tuning in live on YouTube, TikTok, or if you have any questions, you can hit me up if you listen to the podcast uh, on our social media. But we've got three key areas, general athleticism, injury mitigation, and periodization. So I'm going to break down into those key segments. I'm also going to um, announce the upcoming live interviews we have on the Prepare Like a Pro podcast, a free workout, so hang around, specifically the athletes or those prescribing off-feet conditioning sessions. I've got a workout to give a, sh- uh, a crack at, and then this weekly poll, the findings on LinkedIn and Twitter. So. We'll get straight into it. First key area uh, from an AFL strength and power point of view is developing general athleticism. So as we know, in the gym, it's not going to um, specifically transfer onto the field. I.e., To get better at football, you need to be playing football and training the traits of football uh, from a tactical, technical point of view. So what we are doing is improving the general athleticism, i.e. how high you can jump, uh, your acceleration, your um, strength, your uh, critical mass, so your body mass, specifically increasing muscle mass. So we're improving that general uh, mobility, uh, coordination, so general athleticism. Uh, and if you do a good enough job, one's going to make football easier, the better athlete you are, but also uh, hopefully allow you to perform at a higher level within your team and, and um, play your best football. Um, so in terms of general athleticism, we want to be focusing on three key areas from a mobility point of view, specifically the ankle, um, so we can really work on things like um, utilizing the most of your Achilles, so jumps, acceleration, um, by having greater range of motion through your ankle. That will really help with that. So if you want to improve your power uh, and your jump height, um, ankle mobility can be one area that will help with that. Um, you can improve your hip mobility to help with things like lateral change of direction and spine mobility, which will help with everything to do with um, having more options on the field from a movement competency point of view. So things like picking up ground balls in awkward situations, um, being able to pivot and rotate. Um, you might be in a forward uh, handball chain and you need your, your hips are facing forward, but your torso is looking behind you. Um, so you'll have more options, the more um, mobile uh, your spine is, but think of it in those creaky areas. So if you've got some time to work on mobility, 
uh, for AFL footballers, we want to be spending majority of the time on specifically the ankle, hip, and spine, <clears throat> and you get a lot of return on investment um, from that point of view. So um, perhaps in warm-up for the gym, you might be spending a couple of drills there working on on each of those three, um, improving running mechanics. So just to wake the athletes up or after a big field session or just to get some extra athlete development in, um, the gym can be a great place because you've got smaller amount of athletes uh, typically in an AFL setting in the gym than when we have them on the field. So it's a great time to break down um, coordinated uh, complex running mechanics to work on things like um, the connection with the ground, so making sure we're not too um, toe we're not too heel, but we're getting that good um, mid-foot strike. Uh, we're getting good extension through our knee and, and specifically, more importantly, our hip. Um, our ribs aren't flaring up everywhere. We're keeping the ribs down. Um, You've got good hip lock control. So working on these things, slowing down the running mechanic drills um, and making sure the athletes are doing them at a really high level. So then when you're working them with them on the field in larger groups, they've got a good reference of what success feels like. <clears throat> and then from uh, the strength of power point of view, we want to be working on max strength, so i.e. how heavy the athlete can lift. Typically, for lower body lifts, we want athletes around two times body weight. So you lift 100, you weigh 100 kilos, you should be deadlifting and box squatting 200 kilos as your one rep max. Bench pressing 1.5, so if you're um, bench pressing 100, if you weigh 100, 150 kilos, and their long-term aims doesn't mean the athlete has to get there, but just generally speaking, to for those that are listening that want to be an AFL athlete, that's some of the standards, elite standards that um, we want athletes working towards or maintaining. Uh, then from a power point of view, so how, how explosive can you move moderate weight? So it might be some weighted jumps. It might be um, some Smith machine throws, some banded jammer presses, so typically moderate weight. Uh, moving really, really as fast as possible. That's where the tool gym aware can be really effective because it gives us some feedback and the athletes will get more competitive on how fast they're moving the object. So like the Smith machine bench throw, we attach the gym aware to it, they throw it as fast and as high as they can and they'll get a reading uh, and that's fantastic for, for power training. Then we've got our speed strength work, so um, lighter weight again, so really light bands. It might be um, light med balls, so we want to th- basically move light uh, objects as fast as possible. So um, that's a really, really important quality for being able to um, work on your explosive strength. Uh, And typically the fundamental movement patterns of those will be a squat or a deadlift, uh, press like a bench press, and a pull like a bench pull, both in horizontal and also getting some accessory work in vertical as well to help with things like uh, overhead stability um, so that's where your overhead press, dumbbell press can come in and chin-ups. Um, and also hip hinging to work the uh, posterior chain and more specifically work the top end of the hamstrings, um, your proximal hamstrings, so things like an RDL. So there are your fundamentals. Then from a um, reactive strength point of view, um, we make sure that we're getting in both double leg and unilateral uh, plyometrics to reduce the likelihood of things like ACL injuries, I did a recent post with uh, Dean Benton. If you want more information on that, search for Dean Benton, um, uh, prepare like a pro, and that blog post will pop up. Um, but also, not just from an injury mitigation point of view, but also from a performance point of view. So making sure the athletes are stiff to be able to handle activities that they need to be able to do on the field, like agility and sprinting. So building stiff, strong athletes is really, really important. And you, you can't 
go wrong with um, programming in uh, plyometrics. So um, things like single leg forward hops over hurdles, coming off a box, um, repeat broad jumps, um, drop jumps coming off a box and landing onto and, and depth jumps landing onto another box. So anything where we want it to be spending around 2.5 milliseconds um, for contact time, so really short. We can use force plates to, to measure that. Um, so short contact times, favorite cue for that is telling the athlete it's hot coals. We don't want to burn your feet, so don't spend lots of time on the ground. It's a short amount of time, but we also want to make sure their intent jump as far as possible. So whether it be horizontally for things like broad jumps or vertically towards the sky, the ceiling. Um, so it's not just uh, short contact and not going anywhere. We want to make sure we're, we're really um, going as far as we can. So then that's general athleticism. I think if you if you prioritize that in your programming, strength and power program, um, you're doing a lot right for an AFL athlete. That's probably 80% of our focus. Then from an injury mitigation point of view, developing resilient, robust athletes, we'll make sure we're getting some hamstring, uh, eccentric hamstring work in there. So it's, um, some single leg slide outs, some Nordics, some weighted Nordics, uh, glute, um, uh, single leg back extensions. Um, so anything where we're trying to work on um, developing the strength through our hammies. Uh, we want to have good exercises uh, challenging our lumbopelvic control. So that's where the unilateral work can come in, uh, making sure we've got good uh, understanding of our uh, hip lock uh, and also our rib cage. Um, so being in that hip hike position and also being able to keep our ribs down and not flaring out the back. Um, so things like a single leg squat, uh, we can work on standing on a plate and doing a hip lock with a press overhead to challenge the rib connection control um, so that's where the lumbopelvic control can, can be some slower stability based work at the end of training and if you're doing adding some in as well as part of your running mechanics uh, by bringing a stick over the head uh, weight plates out in front aqua bags things to challenge that trunk and hip control and then also from injury game, as we know with football it's not sagittal plane we want to make sure we're moving through the frontal plane so that's where your copenhagen's your cable abductions cable adductions um some lateral lunges with the slide outs. Um, so making sure we're, we're working through the frontal plane. Um, also, even just for shoulder health as well, so double lateral raises, uh, really important. And not everything's just sort of front on, uh, front back. So make sure you're working through the frontal plane is also a key area to focus on when programming. Last part, periodization, simply our planning. Um, typically, if we're in in-season mode, which we are with this recording, we want to be quite agile in the gym, making sure we're keeping our finger on the pulse on how the athletes are feeling and really finding that sweet spot between maximizing the stimulus to ensure that we're building robust athletes and we're maintaining consistency and consistent load uh, and intensity would be the priority. But also we want to make sure we're giving them a chop out when they uh, are showing signs of potentially um, being off for that day. So whether it be they had a huge field session um, their joints are sore, maybe they're an older athlete or they're a younger athlete. So taking in some individual um, details into account and um, you might not be changing the exercise, but you might just be talking about the importance of slowing them down that day and focusing on really quality movement and naturally you might be stripping a bit of weight off or you might just be reducing the range of motion for them, so a higher box that they're box squatting or adding an uh, a plate under their deadlift so reducing the range of motion so you can maximize intensity actually go heavier but reduce the range um, so there's not going to be as much uh, build up of fatigue uh, and hopefully you get a good neural response they're feeling better for it at the end of that session and you get them out of that hole so that's where the coach comes into it with the periodization um, we want to like i said 
listen to the athletes, um, especially the older ones and the younger ones, and, and adjust it. The middle ones um, is where we probably just want to stick with our routine and, and consistency and not change too much. Um, take into account what happened on the field session. So you'd have your plan set out, but if the field session was a lot more demanding than than originally laid out, then that's where you might adjust things and take a cent off here and there with some exercises. Um, and we want to also take into account from a mental point of view, particularly early in the week, the first session in season will be a lot of meetings. So that's where you might simplify the movements and plan ahead to make sure that the movements we're doing on those days, um, they're not as neurally demanding. So they're not your explosive movements. They're not uh, coordinate really complex coordinated movements. The movements the athletes are familiar with, they can double down with the intensity by lifting heavy and they're simple. So the athletes can get a good stimulus, strength stimulus typically. Uh, maintain some good muscle mass and then later in the week when they're recovered from the game there's less meetings on the on that main train days where we might increase the complexity of movements um, add some variety to the to the program every couple of weeks um, with some different variations and also go for that more power development focus and speed strength so hopefully that helped general athleticism injury mitigation periodization i think if you get those three big rocks right uh, you've got you've done a great job no matter what level you're working with um, you can apply those three things. So if you're a f- football strength and conditioning coach, you can listen to that. I'd love to hear your thoughts or anything that I missed. Uh, email me at jackatbearlikeapro.com that you'd like me to um, discuss further on or perhaps you just have some pointers as well. Um, it'd be great to have a discussion. So either on LinkedIn, Instagram, uh, find me there and, and let's have a chat. This week for the podcast, Ryan Timmins' episode will be published on Wednesday fantastic episode around hamstring and the most latest research on uh, applied hamstring uh, mitigation exercises also talked about the afl specifically and changes that happened in history over the last 10 years have we had more hamstring injuries what's the severity of the injuries so fascinating chat make sure to listen to that on wednesday two live uh, interviews first with david boyle at 3 p.m australian standard time second one we've got uh, two guests on for the one show both work with the dolphins Jeremy Hickman's high performance coach, and Blake Duncan, the in strength and power. That'll be at 4:30 p.m. Uh, and then Friday, our bite-sized episode for the week will be with Sarah Perkins, uh, AFLW legend. So if you enjoy that 10-minute episode, make sure to search for Sarah Perkins on your favorite podcast app to listen to the whole episode. The poll findings for this week was around uh, best way to monitor athletes, uh, specifically team field-based athletes' progress. Is it strength and power, speed, agility, aerobic capacity, or movement competency? Some interesting findings. There's still three more days left on this poll, so find me on LinkedIn and Twitter to contribute to this poll. But on LinkedIn, strength and power uh, came out at 41%, which is the strongest finding. Uh, and on Twitter, it was the strongest uh, comfortably at 60%. Speed and agility, improving speed and agility, came at 14% on LinkedIn, 30% on Twitter. Aerobic capacity, very small on this poll, so 3% on LinkedIn and 10% on Twitter. And then movement competency was 41% on LinkedIn, so equal highest from a LinkedIn point of view, and only 0% currently on Twitter. This week's poll will be your favorite off-feet cross-training sessions. Do you prefer bike, boxing, swim, or circuits, whether you be an athlete? Or I'm also here keen to hear strength and rehab coaches um, that prescribe off-feet conditioning sessions. Which one do you typically like to lean on? Um, I know for me, um, my probably um, most important thing when it comes to off-feet conditioning for AFL athletes is what are they um, get a kick out of? What do they enjoy the most? And they're going to work the hardest on those. Work rate's the key, getting that average high rate up nice and high. Um, as we know, there's not a lot of transference from these to running. 
So really I'll check in, find out what the athlete likes to do. If they love boxing, I'll tap into that. If they like following bike programs, I'll follow, tap into that. If they like variety and circuits, I'll tap into that. So work on that and then just make sure we're programming uh, exercises that's not going to beat their body up, but also is going to maximize the aerobic um, conditioning work and taking into account what they did from a field session point of view. So specifically if they're rehab, and it was more aerobic running-based session, then I'll probably more aerobic uh, cross-training. If it was an aerobic session, then I'll program more aerobic capacity. Also taking into account what the athlete needs as well. So if they typically need more exposures to aerobic work, I'll program more cross-training aerobic where you fluctuate the work-to-rest ratio. Where if it's anaerobic stuff, I'll, I'll program more of um, um, high-intensity work and longer rest. Free workout for this week. Talk about cross uh, circuits. I love look using some form of crossfit com- competition modality workouts. Obviously, the exercises are, um, are chosen, so we're not doing Olympic lifts under fatigue. We're not doing plyometrics in this format, but just simple movements like a, a rower and a salt bike and a ski egg for this workout. So any footballer should be able to do those at a, at a good uh, movement competency. They're low load on the joints. Um, as long as they're rowing with good technique, they're not going to hurt their back. So those three exercises are good. And um, I'm going to the way the workout works is it's a descending ladder. So you set the clock. The clock's running. You do 33 cal row, and then a 33 calorie on the assault bike. Then you move down six calories each time. So it's 27, 27, 21, 21, 15, 15, and then we're going down to nine and nine. However, every six minutes on the clock, you've got to jump off those. Um, stations and complete a 300 meter ski sprint um so if it from zero to six let's say you get yourself to the 21 cows uh, as soon as you're on 14 cows on the assault bike and then the six minute clicks up you're off the bike you jump into that three minute ski it takes you a minute now you've got five minutes left to try and get through the rest of the workout before you have to jump on the ski again so it's a nice carrot um, to maximize high intensity and really compete with yourself for athletes that are by themselves where the athletes are working together i like to program uh, partner workouts where you get that effect um, where you you, know, you might have one person doing 30 calories on the assault bike, the other person's got to hold an uncomfortable movement like kettlebell front run, dead ball, uh, hanging from the bar, anything like that where the partner doing the, the, bi- the bike, they're the timer and they're working for their partner to make it um, the shortest amount of time possible. So it's a real win-win. Thank you for tuning in for this week's episode. Um, feel free to uh, send in any questions for a upcoming topic. Um, I'm going to change the um, way that we do things over from September onwards in terms of our weekly content is going to move to more monthly content for the free podcast. However, we're going to continue our weekly content for academy members, so those on our online program and those uh, on our membership, whether they're a footballer or a coach. You can join those memberships for as little as $20 a month and you get access to a full database of exercises, drills, and presentations that I've done over the last few years, as well as we're bringing on guest experts um, to present on topics like nutrition, um, sports psychology, coaching, um, topics like periodization, strength and power program, conditioning. Um, so if you're interested in joining, head over to academypropellicapro.com.au. And of course, we've also got our online free program as well. So if you check out propellicapro.com, you can join our program valued at $99 a month for free for 14 days. So make sure to check that out. Thanks for tuning in. I'll see you on the next week's show. Hi, I'm Jack McLean, an AFL football strength and conditioning coach, and I want to introduce you to the Prepare Like a Pro Academy. Our academy is a subscription-based platform where you can sign up to be a part of our community. 
If you get to the end of each episode of the podcast and are hungry for more, this is for you. Designed for aspiring AFL athletes and staff, you'll receive heaps of bonus weekly content. Learn who the guests are in advance and submit questions. Access to our Facebook group with Jack and other Prepare Like A Pro coaches. You'll be able to receive merchandise, program discounts and freebies and get free access to our live events, exercise technique database and much more. This is a great way for you to support the podcast and it helps me with production and release of epic content for you guys each week. Your contribution goes a long way in making Prepare Like A Pro community possible and just for $5 a week you'll have access to all of this special content released on our academy forums. There's no lock-in and you can cancel absolutely any time.